Everything changes in today's marketplace. Technology, competition, staff, and even clients. Everyone is doing business differently than they once did. The challenge many face is keeping up with the change. Welcome to Thriving in Uncertainty with your host, Meredith Elliott Powell. By learning from the insights and expertise of guests like those you'll hear today, you can thrive in ways you never thought possible. Now, here is Meredith Elliott Powell. Welcome to Thriving in Uncertainty, the radio program where we cover the ideas, share the strategies, and implement the powerful tips you need to ensure you succeed no matter how the marketplace changes and what this economy does. I'm Meredith Elliott Powell, your host, and I am excited about today's guest and our topic, Go For No, how having courage, overcoming failure, and rejection can catapult your career and, quite frankly, your life. Um, Our guest today is Andrea Waltz. She is an expert on overcoming fear and rejection. She is the co-author of the best-selling book, Go For No, and she helps business owners, entrepreneurs, and salespeople at every level experience how to reprogram the way they think about failure, rejection, and hearing the word no. And she has a long list of accomplishments, but I have to tell you my favorite of which is that at age eight, she called George Lucas to see if she could work with him on future movies. And she was featured on Idle Chat, a TV guide channel show where she was interviewed on how even idle rejection can, how even idle rejects can be successful failures. Andrea, welcome to the show. Meredith, I am so glad to be here with you. Well, I love this. Um, I love this topic, but I've got to tell you that before we get into um, rejection, I do have to ans- ask you about this calling um, George uh, Lucas. What prompted you to do that, and uh, how did that turn out? Well, not so good, actually. <laughs> but I had this uh, crazy dream when I was young um, to be a movie producer. To create movies. That's what I, that was my dream at that young age. And I had watched Star Wars uh, over and over and over and over again. And, and a family friend happened to have the personal office number for George Lucas, which is so weird and random, but they did and gave it to me. And I guess it was probably summer vacation or something. And I called up and asked if he was there. And cause I figured like if he would want to work with someone young with fresh new ideas. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and my mother like let me do this and everything. And apparently the woman who answered was his secretary and she heard me out and then talked me into joining his fan club. And that was basically the end of it. And I apparently threw a complete total screaming, crying fit upon getting that rejection, which I do not remember to this day. <laughs> I think I blocked it out. Um, my mom said she literally had to slap me across the face to calm me down. Um, and that was, that was kind of it. But I, I used that story today. In fact, I even told that at outbound where we spoke together yeah. recently um, to make the point that, when we get rejected, oftentimes we throw these internal screaming, crying, this is the end of my life fits, and we gotta, we got to handle it differently, handle it better when those things happen so that we can go back and try again. Yeah, I think that um, I, lo- I love this story, and, uh, and I-, I love it really as sort of the premise that even at age eight, you really figured out that you've got to get past rejection if you, are, um, if you are going to be successful. But one reason I really wanted to interview for the show is that I think this topic is so important and so relevant now, given the amount of change that organizations are going through, the amount of competition um, that they're dealing with. But give us a little backstory and tell 
us how you came up with the idea of, you know, why of all the things you could talk and write about, what about this really um, appealed to you? Yeah. Well, our customers really were the ones that drove this. When Richard and I launched our company, our speaking and and training company, um, almost 20 years ago now, or 20 years ago now, uh, we did sales training, customer service training, management training, and of everything that we would teach and talk about, this idea of go for no, um, and at this time, all of our clients were retail organizations. So anyone that you would find walking through the mall, that was a potential client for us. The, the medium to large retailers with you know huge sales forces and managers who they would bring into conventions and things like that. So we would teach them the go for no philosophy and as, as part of sometimes a full day training program or half day training program, and that was the thing that everybody said made such a difference. And so we kept hearing this over and over again, and we eventually said, you know, we want to do something bigger. We, we love the retail industry. It's kind of where we started, but we want to expand and we want to take this message, which is um, kind of this, this solution to this problem that everyone has, not just in the retail industry. It's every industry. It's every market and expand upon it. So that's, that's kind of how we, how we made it a career choice, which sounds really weird because I tell people, you know, I wake up every day and figure out, okay, how do I get people here no more often? It's just a really weird, not, not what I thought I would be doing like at the age of eight, I can tell you that. <laughs> why is, um, I mean, why, how do you flip in your mind and begin to think of no as, I mean, maybe it's too far to say a positive, but how do you begin to flip that? I mean, I would assume we're wired to, to hate rejection. We are. We're so biologically wired to hate rejection and to avoid rejection. So it is a long-term process. And the first thing I, I like to tell people is think about um, think about the fact that you can change this uh, this belief. I think you know a lot of people that I run into when I when we talk about and they hear that we teach people to not fear rejection and in sales, um, especially people that aren't in sales when they hear that you know we're sales trainers they they say oh gosh I could never could never sell could never face yeah. that rejection right yeah and I'm thinking to myself well you we all face rejection we all, all the time right and everything that we do it doesn't matter even if you're a parent even if you're just traveling and you've got to ask for something along the way we face that that potential rejection and so it's not even necessarily about sales so we're we are biologically wired though to to not be rejected, to not get thrown out of the tribe. And Jeb Blount talked about this in, in his yeah. keynote at Outbound so perfectly well about the physiology behind it. So we're battling this reptilian brain, right? This brain that's thousands and thousands of years old. And now here we are in this well-developed uh, society where we no longer have to deal with those issues. We're not going to get thrown out of the tribe. We're not, but I, I joke, you know, you get one no and you think tomorrow I'm going to be living under the freeway overpass. Like, does right. it going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> no. <Right. laughs> um, that's the reptilian brain going, hang on, I've got to protect you. You are an idiot. I know what I'm doing. And, and, but it doesn't work that way. So there's a reprogramming process that has to go, go on. And you said it, I, you know, you, you, the word positive is ultimately where we want people to be. And it starts really with valuing that no and seeing it as the beginning of the process, not the end of the process. I mean, that really is the, the beginning. How, how is it the beginning? I mean, I, I, again, 
you know, I look now and I think of how much business I would have lost in my in this last year if I got if I really accepted the no as the no. However, that um, that does take reprogramming. That does take thought. It does take commitment. So let's really start with that. You know that that baby step of of beginning to flip it around in in your head is almost expecting it. Yeah, and I like to say that when you start going for no, and 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 what 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 this whole philosophy means, and kind of how it started was um, my business partner and husband was working for a retail clothing store and um, he had a customer come in who announced he wanted to buy an entire wardrobe of clothing. This customer walks in, he proceeds to have this $1,100 sale. It's this great sale. The customer leaves after Richard rang him up and the district manager was there and asked him this really important question, which was, hey, what did that customer say no to? And Richard said, what are you talking about? I just had this fantastic sale. You saw this fantastic sale, right? This guy bought $1,100 worth of stuff. And he's like, yeah, I did. But what did he say no to? And Richard said, he didn't say no to anything. I, everything I showed this guy, he bought. And then the district manager said, well, then how did you know he was done? Oh, and, great right? question. And, and the, the answer to that question was, well, he kind of hit Richard's mental spending limit when he got to that $1,100 threshold. It was like, that's it. Nobody should be spending this much. I, it's kind of my thing, so you're, you're done. And Harold said, uh, the district manager said, you know where that customer is, Richard? He's at the other end of the mall spending the rest of the money that you wouldn't let him spend here. So that was kind of the impetus for go for no. And where we have to start though, is we have to back up and say, so if that's the goal, if hearing no is the goal, and this is what we teach people, we tell them this story and we kind of say, now, how do you do this in your business? Where are those opportunities to hear no more often in your business? Where can you intentionally fail? And by fail, I mean hear no. We kind of, we, we lump them together. And can you do that? And can you do that often enough to where those yeses then are out there? So that sale should have been, if Richard was showing him more and more and more, right? Instead, he was kind of like, okay, we're done. Let me ring you up and send you on your way. And we all, we all kind of go through that with our, with our mindset. And so it really starts with kind of understanding, um, you know, where those go for no moments are for you and your business. You know, I think um, one thing that's a challenge for people uh, around this, I mean, whether you're in sales or whether you're a business owner or whether you're even just, you know, you're, you're handling inbound things, is that you, um, you worry about how do I go for no without coming across as too aggressive and too pushy. Oh, I, you're so right. And the funny thing was when Richard told me the, the go for no story, like I just told you, and was kind of mentoring me around it, I actually thought I was a superstar salesperson um, in my own mind. And, and I was good. I mean, no doubt. I, I, was, I was a very, very good salesperson. I was the general manager of the store that I worked at. And so I did sell, though, every now and then. And when I did... Um, it was always good. But then I, then I had to step back and be honest and say, you know, do I hear no very often? And then I thought the reality is no, I, I don't, I don't hear no. And then I had to ask, well, why? I'm just kind of like the Herald thing. Like, why, yeah. what, what, what am I missing? And the reality was that I didn't want to look pushy. I didn't offer the extra products and services. I decided, I, I prejudged and decided what I would, 
or would not show someone or select for them kind of based on my own preconceived notions of, I know what this person's going to say yes to. I only care about getting the yes. So I'm just going to craft this sale the way I want to craft it, right? I'm like this, this wizard over here behind the curtain. And that was really serving me. That was all protecting my ego and my, oh, I don't want to be rejected or I don't want to have this person think badly of me because, because I'm a pathological people pleaser. Another, another topic, another show topic. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Um, and so I had to be honest with that. And that line, Meredith, I think is where we all have to have to push ourselves a little bit further. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I have been in sales a long time and it's funny to me how it, has evolved in so many ways, but in then in a lot of ways it's stuck. I mean, in the sense that, um, you know, I'm old enough that I remember pre-call planning where we would literally decide what the customer was going to buy before we ever had a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about, talk about cutting the, you know, the, um, the sales short. But I think when I look at today in, um, in when we live in a marketplace where technically, I can buy the product anywhere. The customer is not buying a product from us, right? I mean, they can buy a product anywhere in the world. There's nothing that we make that our customer, that our competition can't make, wouldn't make, or, you know, or couldn't, um, or couldn't offer. So it really is in essence that we really have to be, um, you know, we've really got to be consultative. We've really got to be guiding that customer to, you know, to, to figure out what it is that they need. So there you are, you've, you've identified a need as a salesperson. And it's a, it's a, it's a urgent need for them. It's something you want to sell. How do you continue that conversation? Do you close the deal that you've got and then continue to go for more or what exactly is the strategy in there? Oh, that's, that is a really good question. I think it kind of depends, but I'll just back up for a minute and say, you're so right about the marketplace. And I think that first of all, you have to have courage to be that consultative salesperson and not the order taker. Because I think there's a tendency with today's market to just to just fall into the trap of, hey, you know what, this person's already researched, they know everything, I'm just, I'm basically just an order taker. And so we have to hit pause back up and say, wait a minute, this person doesn't necessarily know what they don't know. We have to figure, we have to ask some good questions, we have to figure that out. So that's, you know, the first thing, right, is to be more consultive, as you said, and that requires courage of its own. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hang on one second. (laughs) Bad tickle. Allergies? Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, And 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 so, but in that process, I my advice is to um, consult all the way through and to continue to ask the questions and to maybe have somewhat of a mini close and a mini understanding of of what you know that buyer wants first of all, and then. Then the second piece is um, now that we have that, it's now based on everything that we've talked about and based on everything that you told me and the questions I asked and, and the things that you've told me, we need to go over some things. I want to share some things with you that you may not know about. And so it is continuing that conversation, but probably like you said, from a process standpoint is getting that yes, but then not just being the order taker and, and wrapping that up, so to speak. Yeah, so you basically go in there and you you say to them, I've heard you, I know this is a need, but but continue the conversation, um, you know, really, really beyond that. Exactly. And back up first and ask those questions so that you can always attach what you found out to what, to what you're recommending and why. 
You know, it's easy to just say, well, hang on. You know, it's that classic, like, well, let me upsell you some other things. But if you've got some questions and you kind of have a little bit of ammunition, you know, in your back pocket, some some things that you're aware of, then it makes that um, ability to go for no so much better. I mean, go for no can be done It can be done the right way and wrong way, like any skill, right? You can, it it can tear things apart (laughs) or it can build things up uh, like a hammer. And if you're using it the right way, it is in a consultative framework. It is by, by asking good questions, but then having the courage to say, hey, I might get a yes to this. I might get a no to this, but I don't know. So I'm going to make sure that I present everything that this person could possibly need based on everything I know. And if I don't know, then I didn't ask enough questions. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we're going to take a, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to continue this um, fascinating conversation. And I want to talk about um, the value of no, the value of when a customer says no. So join us in a few minutes. We'll take a quick break and be right back with uh, Andrea Waltz. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to learn the business strategies you need to succeed no matter what this economy does? Are you interested in learning how the top organizations and how successful leaders are making change work for their companies and using uncertainty as their greatest competitive advantage? Then join the thousands of business owners, sales professionals, and entrepreneurs who have found the answers. Business growth expert Meredith Elliott Powell, author of Thrive, Strategies for Success in Uncertainty, offers powerful keynotes, workshops, and training courses for organizations and leaders of sales professionals looking to take their companies to the next level. Voted a top 15 business growth expert to watch and top 40 motivational speaker, Meredith coaches executives, trains next-level leaders, and builds sales teams in her innovative three-step proven system to thrive in uncertainty. To learn more, go to valuespeaker.com. To speak with Meredith directly, book Meredith to speak and learn more about her training programs. That's valuespeaker.com. Visit today. Every day in business, we hear jargon, see writing from so-called experts, and don't know what we should follow and what we should avoid. Now, there's a program to sort everything out. The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman is the program that provides actual best practices, insights, and real-world solutions that help business executives, technology executives, managers, and staff using straightforward talk. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Thriving in Uncertainty. If you have a question or comment about our program, Meredith would love to hear from you. Her email address is m-e-r-e at valuespeaker.com. Again, that's m-e-r-e at valuespeaker.com. Now back to Thriving in Uncertainty. 
Welcome back to Thriving in Uncertainty, where we are lucky enough to be interviewing Andrea Waltz and really talking about the word no, rejection, and our fear around it, and why really conquering those things can um, take our career and our life to the next level. So before the break, we were really talking about the skill of, um, of getting to know. And I want to talk a little bit more about that, but the first is just as we begin to shift our paradigm around it, what is the value? you of no in the sales process? Yeah, well, there, there's certainly, um, if you look at no as a, uh, from a monetary standpoint, I mean, you can put a financial value of no. So for example, if you make 10 calls and on the 10th call, you make a sale for uh, $100, every no you got leading up to that call had a value of $10, if you want to look at it that way, <laughs> right? Instead yeah. of looking at it as, I got all these no's, they, they were nothing, and then I made $100. So that's like the real simplistic way of looking at it. Um, but that's kind of a fun way too. Uh, and we encourage people to, to figure out what is the actual value of those no's when you calculate them in with the yeses. Um, the other thing is, looking at the value of no is what are we learning? And I certainly don't suggest, I would never suggest, hey, go out there, just beat your head against the wall. Don't, <laughs> you know, don't figure out who your target clients or customers are. Just start going crazy like a Tasmanian devil and start hearing no everywhere. And I've had people do that, Meredith. It's kind of funny. And then I have to say, okay, no, no, no. We want to go for no intelligently here. Um, and by doing that, though, we do get to learn a lot. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things is we can value know when we can, we can start digging in and start saying, oh, I appreciate that you told me no. Would you mind? Because I'm researching this. I want to find out a little bit more about our customers and about their needs. Would you mind, you know, if it, would you let me know what the, what is behind this no? Or, oh, I'm surprised because you seemed so interested based on everything that we talked about. I'm surprised you're, you're not going forward. Can I ask why? And that information is so valuable because on your next conversation, you can use that information to say, of course, to kind of do a preemptive objection type, you know, fighting type of thing. Like, and by the way, some people say that, you know, they don't like want to go forward because of X reason. And here, let me tell you why you, you should. So it really gives you so much great information. And, and that is what you have to value. Um, and, and then the third thing, finally, is uh, the entire back end follow up piece, right? Uh, I mean, as people who are in sales, you know, that follow up is so huge and that so many uh, buyers are out there and, and then they, they just don't make a decision. They, they drag their feet or they say no because they just don't want, they're not ready for the change. And so it's up to us to really pursue that opportunity. You know, it's, um, so I always tell people that, um, that I'm working with, I always say, what are the chances that you're going to interact with somebody at the exact time in the exact moment that they are asking for your service, right? I mean, right. that's pretty slim to none. So if you don't stay in the game, if you don't follow up, um, you know, you'll never close the sale. I, and, it, and also is if you, if you leave it at that first no, you'll, you'll never, you'll, you never have a chance of really getting the yes. But how how much do you, as a sales professional, um, how much do you have to sell yourself before, 
like, like, is there that aspect of the better relationship I've got when I get to know the better opportunity I have to get up under it and figure out why? Yeah. I mean, certainly the more groundwork that you've made and the better relationship that you've had, and I think I, I, think I understand your question, um, the easier that getting that information will be. Right, because you've 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 established some kind of rapport, and again, it does take courage. Because a lot of people, what I find is they get told no, and then they immediately it's like the first response is okay, thank you, click, (laughs) and it's like wait wait a minute wait a minute. Um, And so one of the things I teach people, and everybody's sales process is different, and and this is kind of one of the I think tricky things that. I find myself as a speaker and trainer, which is we have never gone after a particular industry. Like there is no go for no for pharmaceutical sales. There's no go for no for real estate. There's, it's just this problem that all sales professionals, business people, um, you know, I, we have a lot of actors and actresses. Oh yeah. Right. They're going out for auditions. And so the process sometimes is really different. And, that, and in, that, in that way, uh, sometimes people aren't going deep with people. They're not really establishing a, a long-term relationship. It's not something where it's a long sales cycle and they're going to be calling on this person and calling on this person and servicing an account, so to speak. So it depends. Again, it comes back to having the courage. So in that moment, if this is a type of situation where this is a shorter interaction, where the sales cycle is short, where it's like almost that one call close type of transaction, you may not have the time. And so you have to, in that moment, have the courage to say, why? (laughs) You know, in the most direct way possible. And I tell people, hey, it's up to you. Sometimes, you know, this is that artistic part of sales, some, that, that part which I love as a sale, you know, as a salesperson myself, is that ability to read people, yeah. you know, that ability to feel out a situation. And I tell people, use your, you know, sometimes you have to use your intuition. I hate to say it. It's not always black and white. You can't always process it out. You have to kind of read that person and say, is this somebody who in this moment I could maybe get some information? And then where the value comes in, of course, is that they tell you something that you could actually solve. Like that right. it's actually a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. You didn't communicate something or they didn't understand what you communicated. And so now you get to go, oh my gosh, this is fantastic because what you just told me is completely untrue. <laughs> I can solve this for you. And now we're getting closer to a yes. So ultimately go for no is all about getting to yes. It's just doing it. And it, it really is kind of this mindset of, hey, you need to take action. You need to, you need to take this negative reality, which is the no's are out there, and turn it into a positive rather than letting it stop you. Especially, and I do a ton of work with um, independent business owners, yeah. direct sales, you know, people, um, independent business owners in financial services or insurance. And they, you know, they're kind of in charge of their own workday. And so it's up to them sometimes and, and they can get really stalled if they're just not feeling good about the no. Yeah. Is there, um, you know, is there an art though to getting people to tell you why they have said no? I mean, you know, we all have that, we all have that great line of we just decided to go another direction or it's not going to be in the budget this year. They're kind of giving you those standard lines that you know really aren't true but um, but sort of an sort of an art to get them to go past that. 
Yeah, I think it is. And that's one of those artistic things. Yeah. First of all, to me, that uh, it's maintaining a certain level of, I guess you would call it emotional detachment throughout the whole process, which is, um, and Sandler sales systems talks a lot about this as well, just maintaining this distance and, and at every turn saying, we're going to keep going down this process. But at any turn that at any time that you feel like, you know, this is not a fit for you, just say no, let us know and we're out. Like, yeah. it's constantly having that kind of detached thing, whether you express it exactly like that, or whether it's just by your, um, your body language and your, your kind of tone of voice of, hey, let's just see if, if you're open to this, it could work out, it might not, either way, we're good type of detachment. Mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way of having people not feel pressured because if somebody feels like you can't handle the truth, yeah. <laughs> kind of a, you know, yeah. it's a Jack Nicholson thing, yeah. they don't want to tell you, right? Right. They, kind of like, oh my God, I, I just don't want to deal with this with this person. Um, and and that can happen a lot. It might have something to do with, with you personally, with a personality situation, or the organization has their reasons why they don't want to share it. And so they're being kind of confidential. So gaining their trust through that detachment, I think is important. And also just how you kind of respond to obstacles and really how you respond to the no in that moment. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I completely, you know, understand and being really open and saying, you know, I, I, whether you say it in these exact words is ultimately, I want you guys to be successful. I want your company to succeed in this area. Uh, totally understand for my own market research. Uh, I would so appreciate it if you could just let me know for future clients, not, you know, letting them kind of know it's not even for you. I'm not even going to try to, you know, twist right. your arm here. I just would love to know this for the future so that I could do a better job. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and I, the more you communicate honestly and authentically, I think the more people are interested in helping you, the mm-hmm. more scripty and formulaic you sound or, or, on the other hand, frustrated as well, you, you got to watch that, fr- you know, frustration or annoyance, even if you are a little frustrated, annoyed, disappointed, whatever, that those emotions have to be in check. Yeah. Do you choose the, um, you choose the clients that you go for no with? And I'll give you an example. I've got a, um, I got a, uh, I got a phone call for this morning from a vendor who was following up with me. And quite frankly, they've been following up with me for, probably four years now. I have absolutely no intention of ever using their services. And when they call me, they, um, they always say, you know, wanted to call and update. This is what we've got. This is what we've offered. And are you ready to buy? Now, even if I want to buy it now, I'm not going to buy it because I'm really irritated because I don't feel like they know anything about me at all. Mm. Um, you know, it feels like it, it just feels very, impersonal and and quite frankly i think if they did a demo if they did a diagnosis i don't think i'm a good fit for what they're selling Mm -hmm. um so is there is there is there a piece to that definitely and that's that too goes back to that kind of transactional mindset and it's easy i think for companies especially if they're if if you're kind of doing the whole numbers game philosophy and you know, companies have to decide what side of the fence that they're on. And if you have a lot of prospects, if you have a lot of people that you're kind of just going through the motions with, then that type of interaction with you is like, 
let's just, it's just, let's, let's see. Maybe she's going to say yes. This is the 19th time we've called her over four yeah. years. Maybe now she's finally ready. It's, it is unfortunate because if you're not the right prospect, that too is a very go for no philosophy in terms of the fact that if you think you have, um, this comes into disqualification. So if you think you have somebody who's a good prospect, a good lead, and you've asked some questions and you kind of have determined that, you know what, this person really isn't a good fit. Like she's probably not going to ever say yes to us unless her situation radically changes. So one of two things has to happen. One, you just have to take the hit and say, all right, Meredith, well, I'm sorry that it didn't work out and that we're not the right fit for you, but thanks anyway, get you off the list so Uh that they can make time for other prospects or say, well, Meredith, help me understand because like we're sitting here thinking and we're checking back with you and you just keep saying, no, no, not for me. Why? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we missing here? And that really is, um, unfortunately, it's, it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of their time because if they could just get a good no for you from you, then they could move on. You could move on. It's a win-win. Yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I would definitely agree with that. I think that, um, and if I were, if I were a better prospect, I would probably, um, I would probably probably offer that. But it just goes back to the fact that now more than ever, we as sales professionals are less in control than we've than we've ever been. So I love the fact that you said this art part of sales, because I always say that sales is part science and part art. I mean, there's the tactics of doing Mm -hmm. it, but then there's those pieces that you've got to, you know, you've got to feel your way through. Is there a percentage of no's that we should be expecting to get? Oh, that's a, that's a great, uh, great <laughs> question as well. Everybody wants to know, like, what, yeah. what, yeah, what's the magic, the magic formula? I, I have yet to find one. I, I hear statistics and, of course, the analogy that's always given to sales is always in relationship to baseball. Uh, yeah. you know, everybody likes to say, hey, if you're a batter and you're hitting three out of 10, 300, that's a home run hitter in yeah. baseball. And of course, in sales, it's not even oftentimes that good. Mm-hmm. So we do hear uh, no a lot. And I, one of the things I teach people is just kind of create a no awareness. We're so good, I think, at following the yeses and knowing where the yeses are and when and how much were the yeses. And analyzing those metrics, but how many no's did you get this week? Did you yeah. count the no's? Do you have an awareness of those no's? And what, do, what are we learning from those no's? Are we, are we learning that, wow, we're getting all of these no's and they're all from this certain type of prospect. Maybe we've got a problem with our leads. Maybe we're not targeting the right prospect. And so those, that again, more value from no, right, is, mm-hmm. is figuring out what's going on there. Um, so in terms of the numbers, you have to start with that no awareness. And then I think from that, you can kind of back into it. Yeah, I always um, always tell my clients that the best sales coach out there is you. I mean, if you can track what you're doing, where you're spending your time and the results that you got and just reflect back on it, um, you'll learn what worked and what didn't work. Because I think one of the most challenging things about building a business or selling in today's marketplace is the fact that just because it worked in first quarter doesn't mean it's going to work in second quarter. So I might have gone for no in first quarter and hadn't gotten great results. Now I'm doing the exact same thing in second quarter and I'm not getting there. Exactly. And there's, there's the two types of results. There's 
what you can control and then the stuff that's totally out of your control. And I'll give you an example. Like I had um, an opportunity that I thought was absolutely perfect and, and had this long, deep conversation and um, kind of in my go for no moments was going for no within this interaction. And then like things tend to do, the client kind of changed their direction and then we had we had a conversation and it was like now i was kind of trying to fit myself into maybe what they wanted like what they wanted was starting to shift and that to me was a danger sign because i always say a good no is better than a bad yes yeah so at that point i kind of had to say um you know what i would love to work with you but this is starting to not be a good fit rather than just go down the road and like, yes, 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 I want the yes. And I would have loved it. And in the beginning, it was perfect. It was like yeah. the perfect yes. And so there's all of those things that, you know, that is just out of our control. And it's because the client literally, um, you know, and to the extent that you want to go for no and try to change someone's mind, it's up to you. <laughs> you know, it depends. That's that art part of, of how much do you think um, the company is making the wrong decision. In this case, I was kind of like, hey, if this is what they want to do, this is on them at this point. You know, I, I have what I have to offer and I'm not going to try to pull them, <laughs> clawing, you know, clawing them back. So it's, it's an interesting, it's, I think it's the thing that makes sales fun and interesting. And like you said, you're right. You can't predict quarter to quarter and things are rapidly changing. And that's why I think even in today's marketplace, you've got to be out there paying attention and staying persistent. You really yeah. do. Absolutely. Um, we have one more, um, one more quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about something that you just said, which I think would be a great flip on this, um, on this topic, is when do we need to say no? And when do we need to walk away? So join us. We'll be right back after this quick break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to learn the business strategies you need to succeed no matter what this economy does? Are you interested in learning how the top organizations and how successful leaders are making change work for their companies and using uncertainty as their greatest competitive advantage? Then join the thousands of business owners, sales professionals, and entrepreneurs who have found the answers. Business growth expert Meredith Elliott Powell, author of Thrive, Strategies for Success in Uncertainty offers powerful keynotes, workshops, and training courses for organizations and leaders of sales professionals looking to take their companies to the next level. Voted a top 15 business growth expert to watch and top 40 motivational speaker, Meredith coaches executives, trains next level leaders, and builds sales teams in her innovative three-step proven system to thrive in uncertainty. To learn more, go to valuespeaker.com. To speak with Meredith directly, book Meredith to speak and learn more about her training programs. That's valuespeaker.com. Visit today. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
commodities and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Thriving in Uncertainty. If you have a question or comment about our program, Meredith would love to hear from you. Her email address is mere at valuespeaker.com. Again, that's mere at valuespeaker.com. Now back to Thriving in Uncertainty. All right, and welcome back to Thriving in Uncertainty, the radio program where we cover the ideas, share the strategies, and implement the powerful tips you need to ensure you succeed no matter how this marketplace changes. All right, so if you have been with us for the last two segments, you have been enthralled with this interesting conversation around flipping the our thought process on no and why no is actually something that we should go for. So, Andrea, what we were talking about before the break was the fact that what what we need to do in going to know for a client but you brought up such a great um, point and that sometimes we start to morph into what they need to get the yes and I know I am very guilty of that I am um, I did that with a client about six months ago I got them to yes and by the end of it I was delivering something that was not in my wheelhouse mm-hmm. um, which never which never turns out well so when do, when do we need to go for no with ourselves <laughs> It is. It is such a great question. And more courage is required because you're so right. We all want the yes in that moment. And as salespeople, we're kind of, you know, taught and trained to go for yes. And ultimately that's, that is what we want. But uh, when we start to see that deal kind of moving, we have, we have those two choices. One is to say, wait a minute, no, you don't want this other solution and here's why and come back to us. Or if you feel that, um, and this is particularly challenging, I think, in service-based businesses like ours where we're delivering, you know, speaking or training um, or if somebody's delivering a work product that's kind of, you know, maybe it's some kind of report or something where it's not just a widget. It's not just a, a particular product, which is, um, or maybe it is, and, and there's modifications that can be made. And all of a sudden, of course, the manufacturing people are like, you sold what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So that. It is that getting to yes at any cost. And I think we're better off um, spending, and this comes down to time management, you know, spending your time figuring out who our real perfect ideal clients are and then making sure that that marriage is perfect. And then if it is, then it's just so easy. And we've all had those just perfect, easy fit clients and it's just the best. And it required almost no work. 
And then the ones that we struggle with are oftentimes the ones where we're trying to get that yes to fit into that kind of no. And, and getting that bad yes is always a hard lesson. And yeah, I've learned it. And I've learned it more than once. <laughs> me, too, me too. It is, um, you know, it's, well, I think partly because, you know, we're, um, if you work for your, if you work for yourself, if you're in sales, the rush is almost getting to the yes. And you can almost run in there blindly, right? Like you're just, you just so desperately want to close the deal that you get so razor-like focused on it that you tend to forget the other things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so take us inside um, the world of you and Richard. You are hired to come into a company and you are now going to teach people how to go for no. What's going on in their minds? What are their um, obstacles? What is it that you've got to get over to get them to get on board with this idea of pushing to know? Yeah. Well, the first thing that we do is we actually teach a model, a, a model of failure. And we, we talk a lot about failure. And so far, we haven't talked too much about it yeah. um, today. But yeah, so it's, it's coming back to like this foundation of what does it mean to be successful and what does it mean to fail and is no in fact a failure. So we have, we first kind of set the stage and convince people that when you hear no, you haven't failed. And so we talk about this old model where we are in the middle. Uh, yes, is on one side of us. No is on the other. And we act like they are opposite sides of us. Like we get to choose yes, we get to choose no. And really the model is where we're on one end of the spectrum, failure, rejection, hearing the word no is in the middle and the success, the yeses that we're seeking is really on the other side. And so we kind of take people through this mental visualization of you're, you gotta walk through those no's. You need to walk through that rejection and don't think of it as driving down the freeway and seeing a sign that says no and thinking, oh man, I better get off the interstate right now, turn around and go back the other way because I'm, I'm, I'm not heading the right way. It's no, no, you're gonna see a lot of signs that say no and failure and you need to keep going because the yes is out there. So that's where we start because uh, we have to kind of re shift people's thinking about no being a failure because then we go out and we we start telling people now now that we've got you on board with that you start you need to start hearing more no's which freaks people out they're like what hear more no's why would I want to do that so we have to explain that piece about you know you need to intentionally increase the number of no's you're hearing think about the go for no moments in your business where are they? And in that moment that you have this opportunity to either to ask a question, which you could hear a no to, are you asking it? Or are you staying silent and saying, I'm just gonna keep moving through this and maybe the customer will close this deal for me. <laughs> like maybe it won't, you know, do I have to do this? And so people lose deals or they just kind of, they kind of fall flat and they don't go anywhere or the person buys, but they don't buy every option that they could have. And then the final piece to this, and it's such an interesting question is if we're there coaching people and saying, so here no more often and then walk off, people are kind of like, wow, okay, that sounds great. But also I hate that advice because it sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so so in, in a span of 60 to 90 minutes, we have a lot of work to do. The final piece being you've got to celebrate your no's. You've got to start that reprogramming process of when you get a no, emotionally it's not the time for you to say, wow, I blew it. This is horrible. It is about that. What did you learn? What's the value? 
um, no, you didn't blow it. In fact, you showed courage by in that go for no moment asking. And even though it didn't work out, that's okay. And, and one of my favorite examples is this is like classic kind of sales office, but there's like that salesperson in the corner who's made a hundred calls and got a hundred no's. And I'm going to assume they're qualified prospects for just right. a second. And then you've got the salesperson who picked up and got one, one yes. And this is the sales managers like, congratulations. Oh my gosh, Bob, you did an amazing job. And who do we reward? We, right. We tend to reward the right. yeses and instead of rewarding that activity. So we spend some time talking about that as well. All of this design to really shift people's mindset so that my goal is that when they get home to, and they get to their office or working in their business, they think, Andrea told me just, here's my moment. I'm going to go for no. I'm going to ask. I'm going to get a yes. I'm going to get a no. But at least I'm okay with failing because I'm not, I'm not a failure, but I might fail. Yeah. You know, I have um, years ago when I worked in um, corporate America, I had a boss who he decided that we were going to offer a new product line. And I thought he was a little crazy because I didn't think the product line was a good fit. And then he put a goal on it that we had to spend, we had to, we had to do 300,000 a month in this. And I thought we, there's no possible way. And he set us up so that we would meet every Monday morning for half an hour and we would bring one win and we would bring one loss and we would dissect why why we won the business and we would dissect why we lost um, the business. Mm -hmm. And we did that and we would, obviously it was an unbelievable learning. And within six months we were closing a million a month. Wow. And, and I'll tell you, you would think that the, there was value in understanding why we won a deal and there was, but there was so much more value in why we lost. We would choose the wrong customer. It would be the wrong timing. We got the, we were out of order of how we offered it. We weren't matching it to the right problem. I mean, there was so much gold in that no. And um, which I, I guess is right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that story. And, and it's true. And I, I can't remember who said it. In fact, I was talking to somebody about this literally yesterday and I said the same thing. I can't remember who said this, but I, as you can see, I did not look it up. Um, but you learn more from your failures than you do your successes because I think success sometimes, well, first of all, listen, um, in sales, there's always, sometimes there's just luck. And yeah. sometimes there is just, there is, and I, I love what you said. Um, uh, most of the time, listen, you, 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 most of the time, the timing is not right. <laughs> the, the, there's all those yeah. factors. And, but every now and then it's like, you get the perfect prospect the married to the perfect product at the exact right time. And you go like, wow, that's lucky. That never happens. Um, and the rest of the time you're trying to make all of these factors like a Rubik's cube come into, you know, the perfect alignment and, that by dissecting them, and I, I love that word, um, I like to call it like a, you know, there was somebody out there who did this years ago, sales autopsy. Yeah. You know, that looked at and kind of dissected, okay, what, what did we, where did things go wrong so that in the future you can try to mitigate those circumstances and say, well, usually things go wrong because of X timing. So do we need to be calling on this type of prospect first quarter every year and don't even bother with fourth quarter. Like yeah. don't even, just don't even bother because we've learned over time. It's just a waste of time. Yeah. It's not where they go. Is it difficult to get, um, you know, you're, you're in there and you're working with a team, but is it, is it difficult to get a culture to get leadership to 
flip and begin to think of and embrace this idea of failure as something that's needed and, and should be, you know, somewhat rewarded in the, in the culture? Yeah, I think it, every culture is so different. And it really, I mean, the, the, the places that go for no is successful, obviously, is where leadership really buys in yeah. from the beginning. And certainly, we have individual sales people, business owners find us because they're out there looking for professional development, and they're highly motivated. And so those are, for us, like our ideal prospects, right? People who are highly motivated who say, I have a fear of rejection. I probably have a fear of failure. I need to fix this because if I could fix this, I've got the rest of the skill set. I can go out there and I can sell and I can I can make a great living. I just have this anxiety. Sometimes the anxiety too. I, I've talked to professional salespeople who have been salespeople for 20 years and then all of a sudden something happened and now they're just frozen. Yeah, you know, they just, These things are very interesting. Um, but leadership, I think, especially in the corporate world, is so important. And we end up working, obviously, with companies who buy into it. And I think the companies that don't, um, not that they're threatened by failure, but I don't think they know. I think they kind of see the surface level of go for no. Well, that's negative. Who wants to go for no? That's ridiculous. Um, it doesn't make any sense. And of course, so yay, created a great marketing challenge for myself. <laughs> right? Not out there just going like, hey, get more yeses, um, yeah. which ultimately is our goal. So um, a, a little bit of a challenge. But yeah, changing that culture to, to let's celebrate activity um, is part of what has to happen. Mm-hmm. So if there's somebody on board who is a champion, then, I, then that's where we've seen Go For No have the greatest success. Well, you know, I feel like we have just scratched the surface of, of a conversation that there is, um, there is a lot more to be learned and a lot more to, um, to be discussed. But um, where can our audience find out more um, about you, more about Go For No and the depth of the work and the things that both you and Richard are doing in this, um, in this world? Well, thank you so much. I know we've had a fun conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh, GoForNo.com, Meredith. It's, it's G-O-F-O-R-N-O.com. We've made it very easy for people with as much of a marketing challenge as I've created for myself. At least the website <laughs> is very simple. Well, you really want to go to gofornow.com because I, mean, I, I, I don't find anybody else working in this space and really talking about a subject that I think has always been important. But one of my favorite things about what we've talked about today is the importance of getting up and understanding the no. As I like to tell my listeners, we are living in a world of uncertainty and what's made you successful now won't be what's going to make you successful going forward. And you've got to keep talking to your customers. You've got to understand why you lose business, what else they want, and what value is there. And if you follow Go For No, you will definitely, um, definitely figure those things out. So again, thank you for being on the show. And we hope we, we can have you back sometime. Absolutely. My pleasure. (laughs) All right. And again, thank you for joining us for another episode of Thriving in Uncertainty. We hope that we will see you here next week. We will have another interesting guest talking about what you need to do, what you need to add to your repertoire to put you in a position to succeed no matter what this economy does. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Thriving in Uncertainty. Please join your host, Meredith Elliott Powell, for another program next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
This week, embrace the change in your business and yourself 